0: And joining us now is great correspondent who covers the border and immigration issues, among a number of other things, Jenny Tear with the Daily Caller. Jenny, thank you for being here on the show. Thanks, Rita, for having me. You know your reports—they're so powerful. I was just telling everybody to check out your Twitter feed because you have on your social media. You see these conversations with them, and they're coming with you know. In some cases, it's just guys. In some cases, it's family members. Tell me about some of the most profound conversations, because you're meeting them as they're getting off the bus. This is a group of migrants. Most of them don't speak English. We can hear you speaking Spanish with them. Um, So they get off the bus. um, And what do they say to you as the reasons that they're there?
1: Yeah, so I will say it was really impactful to speak with them and to actually understand their stories. And one of the most striking stories was this group from Angola, Africa, who was traveling with young children. One as young as eight months old. That that really stuck with me because if you think about it, their journey was just extremely long. It's, it's very different from when, uh, from these migrants from Cuba who also have long and difficult journeys and, and ones from Venezuela who were also there. I, I know the, the man from Cuba I spoke with uh, said he was beaten by Mexican police and showed me the scars on his body and his face. As far as... You know what's happening with these migrants? Where they're going? They're going all over, like you said. Um, and they, you know, I I spoke with a number of them. They're they're going to Maine. That, that was a big one with uh, the migrants from Angola. They're all going to Portland, Maine. Uh, the ones from Venezuela, like you said, we're going to New York. Um, and you actually played some audio from this man from Cuba who was saying actually in in Spanish, and I'll kind of translate, is he was saying that he had a contact for his group that they were heading to New York, um, but then they actually, uh, their contact fell through and they ended up uh, deciding to go to Florida, to go to Miami, which is interesting because that was something that when Governor DeSantis in Florida got word of earlier about some of these migrants from Abbott's buses going there. Uh, he said, do not come here at all, had kind of a zero tolerance statement. That was the state of Florida's message to them. So it was really interesting actually speaking with them, understanding that they really aren't staying in D.C. It was very emotional for them. They were very excited. They were taking selfies. There was one young kid that got off the bus and was just taking videos of everything around them. They kept asking me what different buildings were. Um, It was truly an incredible scene.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. I have so many questions for you, Jenny Ter. And we're talking to Jenny Ter, correspondent with The Daily Caller, who's greeting these migrants who Governor Abbott is putting on buses. They're arriving in the nation's capital. Um, first off, do they know why they ended up in the nation's capital? Do they understand what the reason was? Did you get a chance to ask them why? You know, because we know Governor Abbott's doing to send a message clearly to members of Congress and the White House, too.
1: Sure. So that's something I actually spoke with a non-governmental organization based in Del Rio, Texas, which is the last stop the buses make before they take the 36-hour trip from Texas to Washington, D.C. And they were telling me that the buses are offered as just another option for migrants. You know, often these non-governmental organizations facilitate travel, so they will give them, you know, opportunities. Hey, you can take a Greyhound bus to San Antonio. You can get a flight using this website through this airline, Uh, different options that they're given. And so now these buses Abbott has offered is, is another option for them. I'm not sure if they're aware, and I didn't get the sense that they were, that this is, you know, something that Abbott proposed and that Abbott is wanting, you know, to put migrants basically on Biden's doorstep. I didn't really get that sense. I got the sense more that they were just happy to be there um, and that it was actually kind of a step uh, getting them to their final destination.
0: You know, what's amazing, Jenny, and there's a lot of layers to this, but you mentioned the guy from Mexico who says he was beaten by the police in Mexico. Um, You hear of these extraordinary journeys that they take. I always tell people, you know, I want people to come here legally, but I also understand why people want to come to this country. I want a more secure border and I want better protections because I care about the security of this country. But I also understand why migrants want to come to America. It's the greatest country on the world, you know. Um, talk about mm-hmm. some of these extraordinary journeys, I mean, uh, that he went through. And I'm sure some of the others um, also had extremely difficult journeys uh, to get here. You mentioned the one from Angola. My goodness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And right now, that's a really big concern at the border. Uh, We're seeing a lot of drownings, actually, in Del Rio sector, which is very close to Eagle Pass, where that National Guard soldier recently drowned and his body was recovered days later. Um, It's something we're seeing, actually. I just got an alert from Border Patrol uh, just maybe an hour ago that a body of a child who actually was uh, from Angola, uh, just like these migrants I spoke with who had drowned um, along with uh, their sibling in the Rio Grande River. The tide is extremely powerful. Um, the water can often be very high um, and also very polluted. And, of course, what we know is that the smugglers don't care. Once they get their cash, they don't care about the fate of migrants. And that's the really tragic part about all of this because it is so refreshing. and so beautiful to know that people really value this country and what it has to offer freedom. You think about Cuba, you think about Venezuela, you think about West Africa, countries where people don't have the same rights, the same freedoms. And it is really beautiful to see. I always get emotional when I speak with them because you can just see it in their eyes. And it's something that unfortunately a lot of people here don't appreciate. Um, So I will say it's a testament to that.
0: What about um, talking to law enforcement on the flip side who just feel so overwhelmed? I've talked to a number of border agents and I know I'm sure you have too, um, probably many of them, Jenny, and they are just, so overrun, they're so uh, concerned of what's going to happen when Title 42 is lifted. What are you hearing from them in general about enormous concerns? Because it's already a crisis there at the border. We're getting these enormously record numbers of crossings. There's a lot of gotaways, you know, not even just the ones that they come in contact with, like the ones that came on the buses that uh, you so powerfully talked to. Uh, But there are so many of them that they just can't even keep track of them. And now they're about to lift Title 42, you know, potentially very soon. And we could see those numbers triple. I mean, that's amazing.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke with someone the other day, actually, who said that most of the field operations are knocked off of the Border Patrol agents. That's basically, they're used to that by now, that they are not on the front lines. And that's actually why I plan to go to Yuma, Arizona when Title 42 ends, because that's an area that experiences a lot of gotaways, like you said, as well as has the major problem of unmanned spaces of the border. And so you see people crossing there constantly. You actually see people that are wanting to turn themselves into border Patrol. Uh, that wait hours and hours and hours. Actually, I just had a source send me a picture of migrants who showed up from Peru in Yuma the other day, just about two days ago. And he said that Border Patrol handed them water and left and then came back a few hours later. I think they were still waiting about four hours uh, at least before Border Patrol came back to pick them up and process them. So there is this issue of unmanned areas of the border. It's obviously taxing Border Patrol having to deal with this influx. And so it's probably likely going to get worse under Title 42 being lifted. And that's something that DHS is ultimately preparing for, they say. Um, But a lot of the plan is really just for expedited processing rather than what Title 42 offers, which is expedited removal.
0: Absolutely. They seem to be preparing to just make sure they can get more in the country quicker um, and process them, as you talk about, as opposed to doing blocking and protection and all those other things. Um, How bad do you think it could get under Title 42? Um, Because people are describing it as just such a crisis. And that's not that far away. Do you think Title 42 is going to be lifted, Jenny? I'm not sure about the likelihood, given what's
1: going on in the court. But if and when it's lifted, um, especially if it's lifted May 23rd, when the plan, uh, when CDC said it would be lifted. um, You know, I am concerned that things are going to get really, really bad. I don't know if you remember, but last September there was an incident in Del Rio, Texas where thousands uh, of Haitian migrants showed up under the international bridge there. And that small, small border town with very limited resources was completely overwhelmed by it. Not just border patrol, but every part of the infrastructure of the city that had to step in to help. Um, You know, those numbers, uh, actually the NGO there is seeing similar numbers now through what they're getting, to what they were getting when that incident was occurring. Wow. So when I hear things like that, it, it helps me gauge a little. I can't always predict what it's going to be come Title 42 being lifted. But certainly right now, it's a very busy time. It's kind of this middle zone where it's it's hot down there, but it's not as hot as it gets in the summer. So it's kind of the prime time for people to cross.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, this is the moment. And if you think if it does get lifted and we're talking just a few weeks away, that is going to happen really soon, if potentially. And it's going to be, I think, a floodgates, as you've talked about. Jenny, thank you very, very much. How can everybody check out the videos? I've been driving them to your Twitter. How can they check out these powerful videos with all your interviews with the folks coming off the buses?
1: Yeah, you can absolutely check them out on my Twitter. It's at Jenny S. Tear. Thanks so much, Rita.
0: Oh, fantastic. Great work. And let us know when you go down to Yuma. we got to get you back on the show then, Jenny. Thanks so much. I will. Thank you. Great work. Really powerful stuff. Everybody got to check it out. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506- 6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a